There's no moral victories. Washington loses to Philadelphia in overtime, 34 to 31. It's time for a reckoning. Greetings and salutations. Welcome to Ref the District's Day After Reckoning. I'm Nathan Perry. That's the Stoner. We are on the Believe Network. And this is our show here, Stoner, where we like to break down, have some time to think about this Washington game and kind of really get after it. And the first thing is got to make sure our graphics are correct here. First thing is the tough decisions that come in this game. Uh, yeah. First of all, big time discussion being had around Pat McAfee got Peyton Manning on and everything to talk about this as well. Washington didn't go for two after scoring that touchdown at the end of regulation, no time on the clock, two point conversion wins the game. You get to go home. The Joey Sly point after does send it to overtime. Ron Rivera saying the offense was gassed and that's why they didn't go with the two point conversion. But a lot of people are upset. That riverboat Ron shied away from the aggressive play call. What say you? Well, I mean, look, all the people who are making comments about this, they don't have any skin in the game in terms of they they don't have any repercussions if he goes for it and doesn't make it. And then he's the one responsible for that. Sure, sure he gets paid a lot of money and everything, but Peyton Manning and Pat McAfee and me and you and everybody on Twitter. We we don't have any skin in the game. If if they if we say they should have gone for it and then they don't get it, well, we're just a bunch of idiots out here just spouting off on at the mouth. But he's the one that has to answer to people about it. His job is on the line. So I understand why he didn't go for it. There's analytics that go into all these decisions and everything, but he's there on the field. He has a feel for what his team is doing and how they're performing. And he decided it was best for his team to take their chances in overtime. And Washington had their chances in overtime. They did. They 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 had been uh, they get they got the ball first, and mm-hmm. so they definitely had that opportunity to potentially, you know, at least score a field goal, maybe in the game with the touchdown. So the of course the catch twenty two right is is like you're saying if he does the two point conversion, they fail. People are going to roast him for going for the two point conversion and failing, right? You're only a victor one third of the time in this scenario where Mm. you go for the two and you score it, right? Yeah. Because if you go for two, you don't score it. You're, you're the worst coach ever. And if you don't go for it and you bring it to overtime in this case, lose, I guess maybe a quarter of the time you're a, uh, only a victor for going for it so because you could obviously go to overtime and win this case they went to overtime didn't we during the course of the game thought they should go for two yeah ron rivera saying that the offense was gassed is the reason why they did not you buy into that reasoning because i feel like that's just kind of a throwaway answer i don't necessarily know if that's the actual answer if this is a little conspiracy hat time from for me here yeah but uh i I just don't know that i buy that answer or i even like that answer but you're saying it's a fine answer yeah i'm okay with it sure he has to explain to everybody why it's just a feel it's a gut feeling Mm -hmm. for him and maybe he had a little bit of time to think about it before he went to talk to the press but it's just a gut feeling he's been doing this for a lot of years and and he just felt like his team was not in the best position to score two points with no time on the clock after having come down the field on that two minute drill. And, and he said, I want to take my chances in overtime. And, and so I'm okay. I'm okay with him not doing it. I would have been okay with him trying it and failing. And of course I would have been okay with it with him trying and and being successful at it. But I I'm okay with his answer. It's not one of those things where you look at it and you just say, I mean, that's a terrible decision. No, it's not one of those. Uh, I definitely don't think it was a bad decision as much as I was saying that he should go for it during the course of the game. After looking at it, even with excuses or no excuses, I'm okay with taking it overtime. Give your team a shot there in Mm -hmm. overtime. Washington had been able to move the ball 
especially that last drive that we're going to take a look at in a little bit, but uh, also just kind of all game they were able to do that. Defensively, they they had some struggles. They ended up losing this one, Stoner, and, and it yeah. seems like this one was a gut punch to the team as a lot of them seemed despondent in the locker room after this one maybe sure. even more so than the bills game where things got out of hand late in the fourth quarter you agree with moral victories you think that this the moral victories are a thing it doesn't seem like moral victories are a thing for terry mclaurin and jonathan allen and ron rivera and eric Bieniemy. yeah well so it's where's the gap yeah it's not it's not for those guys. It's moral victories are for fans. Mostly. I will say the moral victories are for fans that we're able to look at that and see everything that happened last week against Buffalo and think, Oh my God, this is a three win team. It's a four win team. And then have turn around and put that behind them, have a good week of practice, go on the road to the NFC champion undefeated team with an MVP uh, type quarterback. And, and fight all the way to the end and take them to overtime only to lose. And to me, that says that makes me feel good about the rest of the season. That's all a moral victory is. You don't get anything in the win column. There's nothing so macho about a moral victory, but it just makes me feel good as a fan that, no, this is not a three-win team. This is a team that's going to compete every single week. And then now we've got three games, three very winnable games in front of us, before we meet Philly again back in Washington. That's all moral victory is, is when you look at it and you say, they they took last week, they learned from it, and they got better. And that makes me feel better as a fan. They didn't suck. You're right. They did yeah. not. They, it, was, it was a very competitive game. Washington was leading uh, at halftime, the first for this season against a very good Philadelphia team. Again, I'm not much of a moral victory guy. I, I agree with you in the sense that I feel better after this than I did That's after all it the is, Bills Nathan. loss. You don't have That's to say not a victory, it's a moral though. victory. It's, it's not, not a victory, victory at all. It's nothing. It's nothing close to a victory. I, no, I there's think... no column. It's not wins, losses, moral victories, ties. <laughs> it's not there. But it's just if you feel better about this team and what they did against a good team, then that's all it is. It's a moral victory. I'm going to call it some delayed gratification is what I'm going to call it because I I'm just kind of okay. at a resting state now stoner. Yeah. And when, when Washington beats Chicago okay. on Thursday night, yep. then I will actually feel good. Cause I, I okay. mean, like what I'm saying is I guess I, it's not that I'm feeling like when I say I'm feeling better, it's not like I'm feeling good about the loss. Right. right? I, what no. I'm saying is I don't feel as despondent as I did after that bills loss, because after the bills loss, most of us were questioning whether or not this team was good enough to do anything this season. And right. now it's just like, okay, well, you know, maybe we don't suck that bad. Right. And that's so now the definition of a moral victory, Nathan, <laughs> that's a horrible gosh, awful uh, <laughs> definition stoner. Whenever I don't anybody says I like the way they fought, but they still need to get better or whatever. Oh, I like the way they play. I say that. I even say that after Buffalo losses, no, I was like, I found, mean. I found positives no, in the Buffalo that's loss. I'm just okay. talking about overall. If you look at the overall part of the game and you say they did, I like what they did here. I like the overall of what they did as a team here, but they've got to get better at this and this and this and this and that. That's all a moral victory is. It, you don't want to put a label on it. Don't put a label on it, but I hear it. I hear it from you. Okay. I hear it from everybody that that's what a moral victory is. You just don't want to put a label on it. That's fine. You liked it's a moral very binary well. in this one. There's yeah. wins, there's losses, and that's that's it, right? Well, I guess <laughs> okay. there technically there's ties in there as well. One of those things they got to get better at, Stoner, is for the <laughs> third fourth season in a row, actually, with Jack Del Rio. Yeah, his defenses have started off very slow sure and i believe they're averaging 30 points allowing 30 points a game right now is that accurate it they as a team they are as allowing 30 points yes. per game exactly 120 points in four games correct mm -hmm. yeah i guess technically there was the defensive touchdown by the bills which kind of skew it a little bit and the the, uh, the offense was the one who gave up that point and by arizona remember arizona got mm -hmm. the sack fumble touchdown um 
So that's another defensive touchdown that they gave up. But you know what? Nobody does unless you're a stats geek. Nobody takes those points out of it and has a separate points per game given up. So we just have to take it on the surface. Because I went back and I looked at all these games and I got my little pad of paper here. You can see all this writing and everything from writing down points per game that this team gave up over the last four, three plus years with Jack Del Rio. I didn't break it down and look at which games had interceptions for touchdowns sure. and all that. They're giving up 30 points per game this year. I mean, even, even if you were to remove those and the extra points that correspond with them, which of course extra points are special teams plays anyways. Yeah. And that's why you just don't, those don't take those out. They're still averaging 20, uh, giving up 26 points per game, nearly 27 right. points per right. game. And that's just that's unacceptable good. for a defense that was, you know, considered top five by the end of last season. Mm-hmm. This has been consistent with Jack Del Rio. And you mentioned that you, you've, you've got the stats there to back this up. Is there, is there any reason why they would just be so slow to start? Because they, each of those seasons, they ended up, correcting themselves and getting stronger by the end of it so why is it so difficult for them at the beginning of the season i don't know they they make the correct adjustments at some point whether it's personnel wise or scheme wise if we remember they got better in 2020 because they brought landon collins down into the old buffalo nickel last year it was cam curl was hurt the first few games and then when he came back it seemed to fix itself but it's consistent every year in 2020 it was they started out giving up 28 and knocked it all the way down to 18, not overall, but for those last yeah uh, the last games or 12 games. And then in 2021, it went from 30 and a half to 24, 2022 it went from 26.8 to 18 again last year. Hmm. And then this year they've started off giving up 30. And the whole theme of this defensive coaching staff from the beginning was we got to start fast. We don't have any excuses. We've got all the personnel. We've got all the uh, was consistency, right? You've yeah. Same, same players. The starters are coming back. You've got the same coaching. It's the same scheme. Yeah. Four years in. You're right. There's no excuses. And there's no excuse for what they're now. They've they've played two of the best offenses the last two weeks. Sure. With Buffalo and Philadelphia, two of the very best. Kansas Wasn't that City, somewhat Buffalo. accurate for the last and some of those, I mean, out of the four games, and I don't know, this is kind of calling you, you know, off, catching you off guard here a little okay. bit. But if you're to look at those four games from each of those seasons, who were the opponents? Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't have so, that. You, we right don't have that, me, right? But, but I want to say they they were playing against some maybe not high-powered offenses, but they were playing against stronger offenses Sure. At the beginning of each of those seasons, and well. then you run into the Chicago's and the Atlantas and mm-hmm. and and San Francisco without a quarterback. If we remember in 2020 when it was Nick Mullins, or you know, and you run into Pittsburgh with uh, a Ben Roethlisberger who's you know all beat up and old and everything. Yeah. So yeah, there is some truth to that, obviously, but it's still you're still looking at a defense that overall was a top five defense, and again, you basically got the same guys and you drafted high and you still given up 30 some odd points per game to these offenses and you can't do that you can't do that year after year after year the flip side you want to do the half glass half full well a turnaround's coming because it's (laughs) it's turned around every year before so a turnaround is coming and Look again, look at your next three opponents. As I was to say, Chicago, Chicago Giants Atlanta. are in there and Atlanta, right? Yeah, so Chicago, very Atlanta, winnable games and, yeah. and games that you could potentially have low scoring affairs. Absolutely. One of those things we wanted to look at when we when we saw this, right? Because it, it did kind of pop up the question on well, when did the teams switch from the pass heavy offense to a run heavy offense. Cause last yeah. year is a great example. They came out of the gate swinging with Carson Wentz. Yeah. And then as when he got injured, they turned into a running game and, and even with him struggling against with his last couple of games there yeah. turned into a little bit of a, a run run team as well. Did that, was that thorough thread all the way through these four seasons? 
Um, not the first year, not in 2020. They basically was about the same mm-hmm. from the first four games. So, and, and what you're saying is offensively, Washington start has started to run the ball more and controlled the clock more, which kept the defense off the field so that the points per game for the other team would come down. And last year is a huge example. Like you said, the first four games, they were throwing the ball 66% of the time on offense. Not good. And then game five, which I believe game five last year, Tennessee. I can't even remember who game five last year was. They went 70, over 70-something percent throwing the ball. They threw the ball 41 times and ran it 17. And then all of a sudden, like you said, I think that's when Carson Wentz got hurt. And the offense said, we can't keep doing this. We're throwing our defense under the bus. We're throwing them out there time after time after time. We've got to control the clock and keep give, give the defense some rest. And the rest of the year, they ran the ball, or they threw the ball now 49%. They went from 66% in the first four games, and even higher that in the first five. And then after that, they just started running the ball all the time. I didn't equal to a whole lot of success. They finished eight, eight and one, but they started giving their team a better chance and not having Taylor Heineke out there throwing all over the place and then putting their defense in bad spots. Yes. So the offense can help the defense uh, offense. Yeah. The offense was doing its part there a little bit to help, but I mean, to talk about how there was really only last season, the 2022 season where you had a great disparity going from 66% pass to 49% pass. Yeah. You went from 56 to 55 in 2021. So you essentially kept it the same yeah. and your play calling was fairly even. So there wasn't really a difference there on offense as far as the play calling was concerned. Yeah. A huge disparity in one year, but not even in 2020 where you had yeah, 61 to up. 63, you went up a little yeah. bit. So this one is Eric Benjamin. We've talked about him a, a lot here on Ref the District. He's going to continue passing the ball. He yeah, is who he is. Target. And so I would expect this, this uh, pass to rush ratio to stay in passing favor. Yeah. So the defense is going to have to turn around. And you mentioned the stats for a year. 2020 was a year where they had very similar pass uh, to rush ratio. The defense ended giving up how many points per game that season? That they ended up. I don't know the exact ended, number. But the last the last uh, five games, five through 16, they gave up 18 points. 18 points per game. Per game. Right. So it is doable. Type defense. Yeah, it is absolutely doable. And if the offense can continue putting up their own points, because they have had success doing that. You have two 30-point yep. games. You have the stinker against the Bills. Uh, and an okay game against Arizona. So this team looks like the offense could keep putting up points and the defense, if it can get back to that championship caliber defense, might just win, you know, some more games here for Washington. And and this year, 2023, the trend has continued. They're at 64% throwing the ball in the mm-hmm. first four games. And you just look at what the defense is doing because they're out there more because throwing is less consistently good in terms of holding on to the ball as much. And you so your defense is constantly coming back out there. So I think the offense has got to help this defense by controlling the ball a little bit more than they have in these first four games. What, but like you said, that's not be enemy's DNA. So I don't know if he'll do it or not. Yeah, I, I will say this. I mean, they had a seven minute drive to open up the game against sure. Philadelphia. That was great. And that was a long, sustained drive, took time off the clock. They did mix up the pass and rush there. And uh, then they they bookended it with a, uh, a second t- touchdown there at the end of the game. That was a nice, long mm-hmm. drive. And that brought it to overtime. Whether or not you agree with the two-point conversion decision or not, that drive was a great drive by Washington to tie it up. And it was set up a little bit, Stoner, by the penalty on A.J. Brown, who threw the ball at Emmanuel Forbes as he was on the ground. Did a little taunting action there. Maybe not Mm -hmm. threw the ball, but at least taunted Emmanuel Forbes after the touchdown. That was 15 yards. Setting up Antonio Gibson for a solid run, 
to get them starting at the 36. That's right. That from I was just going to say that's a that was a big deal at the time. Imagine if Washington had ended up winning that game and AJ Brown who had a an amazing monster game, game, monster, monster game. game, he would have been just roasted by the Philadelphia media and their fans for for doing that because that's that's 11 yards that they ended up getting as opposed to a touchback starting at the 25. They started at the 36, almost a 37. That's 11, 12 yards that this team absolutely needed, as you saw uh, at the end of the drive when they had no time on the clock when they finally scored. So I have a bad thought, and okay. I just want i want to share it, and I want to see if anybody else shares this bad thought. So please uh, let right. me know in the comment section or – or if you can just hit us up at ref the district, I realize this is definitely looking back at it and the wrong kind of mindset. Yeah. Okay. And mindset and hindsight Washington allowing Philadelphia to score. There was mm. probably the best thing to happen to them. Second best thing. I'll get to the best thing as we go through the drive here, but yeah. the se- the second best thing that happened to them, this game You're was right. Forbes getting beat by AJ Brown and them scoring and giving Washington time to score. And it didn't have to, because it was a, it was a long, it was a long catch. It wasn't, it wasn't right. a gimme, but right. it was, it was essentially the, the, what set it up to bring Washington the ability at least to tie it up. Is that too much looking no, no. at it in hindsight or is there, is there something there? No, I mean, you don't want to just automatically give it to them from sure. that distance, of course. But you're right. That actually, looking back at it, that was actually a good thing that happened because otherwise they're just going to grind down the clock and they're going to kick a field goal just mm-hmm. as they did in overtime and with no time left on the clock and never give Washington that opportunity to tie it like they did. So, yeah, that was actually a good thing. And, and we were surprised by them throwing. I think the play before, I can't remember exactly, but I think the play before Hertz ran out of bounds or threw an incompletion to stop the clock and give Washington a free timeout. And we were like, well, that's kind of crazy to give Washington that free timeout. They should not be letting that clock stop like that. But that's that's an aggressive coach, an aggressive team, an experienced team that, that went through that. But, yeah, I think that was uh, – that was a good thing in hindsight. Absolutely. That's, a, that's an interesting way to look at it, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it was actually uh, Jalen hurts at first and 10 and passed short left to AJ Brown and was pushed out of bounds. And then yeah, okay. Swift ran right tackle off the right tackle for six yards. Washington had to use its second timeout. That's right. another important context here. Washington had to use a timeout early on in the second half because of a game clock issue yeah. where there was, there were the officials were trying to spot the ball. There was discussion on, did it make the first down? Was it short? They ended up marking it just shy. It was like third and inches, but the play clock and was still running. And so Washington ended up having to take a timeout because the offense wasn't ready because they were going to call a play based off of, is this third and inches or is this first down? down? And that would have made a difference there. So they had to take that timeout. They take their second timeout here, which leaves them with just one timeout after Antonio Gibson runs it down for the, uh, to the 36 yard line, which is where we start here with one thirty-six left and the one timeout. So this is the first play uh, out of the gate stoner. And what's something that you see here with this one? Well, I, I just, if you look at the very top of the screen, you'll see that Curtis Samuel, the who's ever playing off him. I don't know if that's Bradbury or slay. I can't exactly tell, but he's mm-hmm. 10 yards off. Him. He's giving him a huge cushion. If you look at the bottom of the screen and in the slot there, they're playing up, you know, some press coverage there. Sure. And I know Sam had to see that and Curtis had to see that. I don't know if there's any sort of signal, but this is where thing, all that practice comes in and all that off season stuff. Maybe there's just a hand signal. Hey, look, you've got this cushion. I'm coming with a quick pass. Yeah. You can see he's, he's eyeing that, right? So that's Mm -hmm. Sam Howell's looking at that. And that's exactly what he's going to do here as Curtis Samuel, his, his role is just literally sitting right here and, he's going to end up getting a great after the some yak yak 
doing a little yakety yak there yards after the catch here as Sam Howell looks that way, immediately launches it. You see Curtis Samuel only went four or five yards before turning, catching that ball. It gets the first down for Washington, yeah. and the clock keeps moving, and they're looking here to do something on the second down now, uh, or the second first down that they had. Now, this one, Stoner, what's going on for this one? Well, this, of course, again, is now um, after that 11 yards, which was great, by the way. But mm -hmm. here, here's where this could have been the narrative for the game, this play right here, because we've talked all about the sacks that Sam has been taking over the course of uh, the first few games. And he took a, a big sack on this play. And it was partly on Sam. And it was partly on the offensive line and it was well dis disguised yes. by Philadelphia as well. So right here, this linebacker is going to do a, a little bit of a delayed bl blitz going to come right up the center. And we have a, a great replay of this that we'll show right afterwards. Uh, but yeah, he'll do a delay here. And one of the things that where I kind of pin it is going to be actually on Gibson here. Uh, who's the who's the running back so he leaks through the center and oddly enough he runs right at the other linebacker and just turns yeah uh and he's gonna run by you'll see it here is he's gonna run by the defensive the blitzing linebacker, line, blitzing linebacker yeah. doesn't even chip him doesn't do anything I, right. and and it happens i know it happens so quickly but he's running by that linebacker and he's running by the, the offensive line who clearly is not engaged or is engaged and not ready to take on this guy. So you just figure a little chip action there would have been warranted as uh, Sam Howell is going to take the seven yard stack uh, sack here. So again, the delayed blitz right up the middle and I'll show you from this other angle, what I'm talking about when it comes to uh, when it comes to Antonio Gibson. So this is, he's coming from five, seven yards back. The linebacker is Antonio Gibson's going to run right through this wide open hole past a linebacker who is running by him. You know, he you already passed Sadiq Charles, who is engaged in a block. You got to mm -hmm. throw a chip there to just disrupt it a little bit. Yeah. And, Maybe. and the, I I say so. I Probably. again I I'm I'm some I'm some doofus, but I mean we've got this engaged here and this engaged here. If if Sam Howell just has another second to throw Mm -hmm. He could get this. He can make. He can complete one of these passes here. And I think over on the left hand side, it was uh, similarly uh, engaged there. But it was just just need to get a little action there. And so here you have this one isn't even developed just yet. And the the one on the right hand side, equally not not ready. You know, tied up. This one you could possibly throw into the space here. Yeah. If if you just had time, but I mean, he was already. You know. Nothing, yeah, he's already right? getting hit. Nada. So, but yeah, the, go back just a little bit, and there's just a couple of curious things on this on this play. And you you mentioned, of course, that Gibson ran right by the blitzing linebacker and didn't chip him. But also, Nick Gates, who is the center, mm -hmm. doesn't have any awareness that this guy's coming, and he goes to his right to help double team with Cosme on the defensive tackle, and just leaves that wide open hole without even considering that there's a possibility that a linebacker is coming. So I, I think that's the protection that was called. So I, that's why I'm not necessarily going against that because again, with the delayed blitz, I mean, those guys are yeah. playing seven yards off the the line there. Sure. Try to get the um, back to the original line of scrimmage here. So yeah, yeah those two are sitting right about the uh, 47 yard and 48 yard line here. Mm -hmm. And the ball is being snapped at their 48-yard line, and the ball is being snapped at our 47. So I mean, yeah, it's about five yards, five five yards off the ball. You know, I think that they were in, they were thinking it was going to be a four-man. They weren't expecting the blitz. So I'm not again not putting that on Nick Gates. Uh, I am. needs needs to be a quick decision, and and Gibson just has to do a little bit of a chip there. Cosme was having no trouble with that tackle blocking him. So he didn't need any help. So I I would have preferred that Gates would have just stood there in the middle and waited in case there was a blitz coming. But he didn't. He immediately went to help out. And also, like you said, Gibson ran to the linebacker. 
yeah and weird around instead weird of decision going there, just space. Run. yeah i mean but, he was probably a stop and then it could have been a zip throw we've seen that and we're going to see that here in a little bit so yeah it could have uh, possibly bring, been a situation to where if he had gone in either direction and sam was expecting him to sit right there in the middle and then sam throws it while gibby's going left and then the defender's right there to pick it off so you never know what the play is that's called but it just doesn't seem logical that you run to the defender and then stop and turn around that's yeah. That's usually not successful. Here we got the the line of defenders. You do get the the little press coverage here. Only the four man rush. You're going to have two safeties that are far far deep there for Philadelphia on the second and sixteen. Can't 16. even see them. They're so yeah, far. Yeah, I think I think they're at like the thirty five yard line. I mean, they were yeah. they were super far back here on a seven and second and seventeen. Sam Howell wisely just throwing this one away. I think that was a, a great decision. He takes a little bit of hit there, but. It was they weren't planning on giving anything up on that one, and he get, he got rid of the ball, didn't take a second negative play, right? And because, kept Washington alive. Yeah, it's important to note that on that sack, he they had to use their final timeout. Yes. So any sack after that is going to be big time trouble. So he felt the pressure. It was only a four person, a four man rush, but he felt the pressure. It started to move outside the pocket and say, you know what, let's, let's try again. And he threw it away. Smart, smart, really, really smart veteran play by the young quarterback. Here we go with the third and 17 here. And you're going to have Pringle getting out there, coming back and, uh, you know, Terry McLaurin doing a little bit of the same here. And Diami was a little bit further than Pringle. Uh, those, those guys aside, you're going to have, this is actually Gore here. Who's going to leak out this way and Gates chips and then moves out here. So giving Sam Howe some options, if he ends up having time here on the third and 17, of course, knowing this is fourth down territory, he doesn't have to get it all. Uh, but he does a beautiful job zipping this into Pringle just shy of the first down here, but it's just a great, uh, great throw there. It did seem a little odd that Terry McLaurin and him were in similar space, but it it wasn't too bad. And then this one here, fourth and two, do or do or die, right? Do or go home type situation, mm -hmm. and does an amazing job, kind of audibling on this one. As you'll see up here at the top, Terry McLaurin's going to get straight up mugged, and they do call defensive holding on this one, so it would have been a first down regardless but it ends up being a very positive play as our man, Diami Brown is got a defender who is so far off line. Yeah. The gain is, is again, two yards past, you know, the line of scrimmage there. And this, uh, I believe this is slay here is mm -hmm. almost 10 yards deep on this down, one. down at the bottom of the, of your screen there. Yeah. That's now this. Yeah. Yeah, this is yeah bottom bottom of the screen. Dime, yeah, start. Uh, I'll circle again here. There you go. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't circling, is what I was trying to say. Uh, it was circled, but it doesn't matter because yeah, down at the bottom here, uh, it uh, playing nearly ten yards off when it's a two yard two yards are needed. Definitely yeah. an interesting decision here. Uh, not playing to go to Diam Diami Brown here, who literally just kind of does this short little in route, but the plan was quick and you can see that with the route running that he's going to make and sam howe even cocks back to throw this ball like it was planned decision quick decision and he ends up pulling it back to go to terry up on the yeah on the, the plan was to top. go to terry up top here and let's just go ahead and, and play it out a little bit here and you'll see what i'm talking about because he is looking straight at terry cocks it back right there Terry McLaurin is on the ground. I'll stop that one. And then Diami Brown has his second good run after the catch there. And mm -hmm. I'm going to freeze right there. You see, you see Terry McLaurin is literally on the ground here now. Yeah. Yeah. He, he is very, he is very much just yeah, straight on the ground. There was definitely a penalty there. Um, but like you said, because he got it to Diami and got those extra yards that it was, um, declined but they would have had it either way but yeah. it was still a nice play first of all for sam not to throw it seeing how tight that coverage was can't guarantee you're going to get that call and then to obviously move out of the pocket and see diami sitting there by himself 
Diamond Brown just wide open. Good run after the catch there. And running out of bounds, stopping the clock. Now, there's no first and 10 here. The What ends up happening is he, again, just throws it uh, out of bounds, just takes a few seconds off the clock there and makes the right decision, throws it out of bounds. Here we go, second and 10 now for Sam Howell and the commanders. And he, again, just zips this one in to Terry. Problem with this one, Stoner. Yeah. We're right here in the middle of the field. Yep. You know, they're going to give him, Terry, I think right about to the, the 20 with forward progress. Yep. But we're in the middle of the field, no timeouts. No timeouts. No timeouts. Clock's ticking. And Philadelphia's okay with that. They played that way this entire drive. They played deep, keep everything in front of you, uh, even on that crucial fourth down play that uh, uh, Slay was playing so far off. So now it's third and one. Yep. Third third and one here for Washington needing to get that only 12 seconds. This is where I really thought stoner that we were going to start looking at the end zone. Just take yeah. a couple shots straight at the end zone and Eric B and Terry McLaurin and Sam Howe knew better than both of us. Because at, tick, 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 tick. The clock's mm-hmm. going. Clock, no timeouts. No. Are you going to spike it? What are you going to do? Yeah, and so what we're going to see is Terry McLaurin runs just a beautiful route and an excellent throw from Sam Howe here on the out route. And this is when you're talking about an NFL throw. This is an NFL throw right here, just outside the numbers, perfectly on the dot there for Sam Howe. He's looking in the middle. He throws it to the out, and then you can't do that any better. Terry McLaurin sitting getting the ball, making sure it's a catch, and then getting out of bounds, setting this up for a first and goal with five seconds left. You thought one play. I said maybe two. Yeah, I didn't think they had enough time for two. I, but. I, I figured there would be – I thought it was going to be a like a deep incomplete pass. Like it was just going to be like one, two, three, launch, just to give yourself a second in case of something. Yeah, uh, and we did see that. Only problem, Soner, is we didn't exactly see it in the way that we thought. As as Curtis Samuel's going to run, and he's going to be just shy of the end zone here. Terry McLaurin's going up, and uh, Diami is going to come around towards the top of the end zone. And I think, and this is some, gr- this is some grade A speculation on my part here. The play call because both of those are running across the middle. Is you're hoping that. Samuel is going to get this one and be able to get an easy run into the end zone based off of Logan Thomas going out this way. I think they were expecting Logan Thomas to drag the two defenders here and open up the center. You do have the five defensemen on the line. I believe that's five. Let me verify one, two, three, four, five, six on the mm-hmm. line. So they are showing came in, but yeah, not all six came in, but you're seeing some some pressure there. And Washington was very fortunate to have this one fall incomplete with time on the clock. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. All six did come in actually. And it was a quick throw. Yeah. If he caught that game over. So it was, I, if I was Philadelphia, I would have let him have it. I would have let Curtis Samuel <laughs> catch that and then just tag him down. It was, it was a low short. throw. Like it was it's just, just there, wasn't, there wasn't much I liked about that, but there was yeah. a lot of things I liked about this one right here. How about that you? would have been a lot of roasting of Sam Howell again. If they had completed that and not gotten in, we would have been like, well, that's, mm. that's you talk about it all the time on these fourth down plays. When you throw it short of the sticks and cousin you just it, hope. Yeah. And then that would have been one of those plays where you got to get in the end zone and you're showing, throwing it short of the end zone. All right, so walk me through this one here, Soner. Yeah, this this is a pretty awesome play. I mean, you can see, look at how many defensive backs they've got back there. Two, four, six, seven defensive backs and four in the line. So they're leaving the middle open in terms of let them catch it before the goal line. We're going to defend this goal line with everything we got. Now you got two receivers up top, and you got one at the bottom. You got tight end uh, coming out. And then our guy is better than your guy on this particular mm-hmm. play. Jahan Dotson runs a great route. Sam knows exactly what he's going to do. He's not double covered and throws a big boy, uh, dude, perfect um, franchise quarterback type throw. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is amazing. And we're going to, we're going to show something for our people who are watching this on YouTube, because this is absolutely stunning here. Big time throw Sam, Howell launching it. 
and John Dotson making up for his previous drop that was on a third and four that we kind of talked to him. Now, this view is special. I can't wait to really see the all 22 on this one. Mm-hmm. just to get the timing down even better. So Jahan Dotson, again, just runs straight up and he turns and you kind of see the flash of it there. And I'm going to bring it back just a little bit as the ball comes into the screen, trying to time it right here. It's a, just a flash there. Yeah, it's It right. flashed a little bit just before up here. And now the ball is right. Actually right here is where it is. So I'm going to, take off the first circle and just circle this one here where the ball is and look at Jahan Dotson. He's not even out of his break yet. Not even out of his break. That ball was thrown before. I think he even got to the end zone Mm -hmm. and 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 he threw it to the outside shoulder where the defense is not. If there had been a defender over there would have been trouble, Mm -hmm. but he threw it to the outside shoulder. Again, I kind of come back to those, all those practices, all those off-season stuff, working down in Florida where you just kind of get that innate feel for your receivers and guys you've been practicing with for a long time that they know, of course, there's a play call, but he knows, Sam knows, that Jahan is going to run that route properly. And if he does, he's going to put the ball where only Dotson can get it, and that's what happened. And it was just a, a great touchdown to tie the game, well, to get within a point, and then you had the whole yeah, then you go for the, two and all that. But, sure. Yeah, I mean, it was a big boy throw, Nathan. It was, uh, it was, I believe, in Sam type throw. That was big time. Yeah. So my question for you, big time mm-hmm. throw, you believe in Sam. You mm-hmm. had talked this all week leading up into this game, and you're looking at the sacks, and you've got coming after this miserable loss to Buffalo where he got sacked nine times. You're yeah. seeing that this is just who he is because this is what he did in college. Horrendous sack totals here in the NFL. Are you back on a, being a howler? I, hey, I never left. I always said that I was in danger of doing a, a 180. I said I was at about a 90, but not quite halfway to turning completely around. What was great about this and everything that transpired in this game is how they responded. And we talked about it all week. How will this team respond? And we expected them to respond really well. And the enemy was really good in this game as well. Mm-hmm. Not putting Sam in bad positions, but Sam played extremely well and especially that two minute drive there at the end of the game not many quarterbacks can do that not many quarterbacks are built for that yeah that was all on sam that was a great job by him two good throwaways in there did take the sack he did take five sacks but you heard it here sonar is still a howler still a howler Absolutely. And in fact, I thought that he did so well, Sonar. You might be tempted to list him as a go-go here in our go-go's and no-go's. You know it. Even though this is a loss, I like to end with the positive. So let's hear your no-go first. Yeah, my no-go. I, I kind of hate to do this, but when you really needed Tressway to step up in the fourth quarter, or actually in overtime, you really needed him to kind of hit one of his usual awesome punts, a high hanger, deep to pin them back, and he didn't. I mean, it was a bad punt, and they got the balls at, what, the 45, 46-yard line, somewhere around there? It's almost midfield. That's how bad yeah. of a punt it was. And so I, I kind of put a little bit of that. Defense still needs to stop them, and they almost did. And then my other one is, because uh, I do have two, but on that third and third and 15, whatever it was for Philadelphia, they were out of field goal range. And everybody knew that they were going to throw a short pass, a five, six, seven yard pass to get into decent field goal range for their awesome kicker. And Jack Del Rio decided to blitz his two linebackers and vacate that middle of the field. And that left it wide open. And they threw a nice little six, seven yard pass and then gave him a 54 yard field goal attempt. So I put a little bit on Jack Del Rio Overall, the defense hasn't been good, but in this game and on that play, he should not have blitzed those linebackers, period. Yeah, Tressway having a punt uh, for 213 yards, punted five times, 213 yards, an average of 42.6. However, Washington did give up 38 return yards on that as well. So 
it wasn't it was, it was not a 29 a great yard punt nathan 29 that yeah, punt it was in overtime not a great punt. Not, not a great punt he was tressway was going to be mine i'm going to be rocking his his jersey still for, love for thursday still think that he is a world-class punter absolutely and sometimes you have an off day and he was having an off an day off. and so. an off punt yeah, that was huge. Was Twenty nine, just not a not a great punt there for uh, for him. Yeah, if you took my no go and you ended up listening too, I guess the yeah. uh, the other one is I'm going to uh, call out the tackling by Washington as mm. they had a couple of opportunities that that they missed, whether or not it was missed tackling or bad angles. Yeah. that Philadelphia was able to get some extra yards off of. A lot of people are going to blame Forbes for the day that A.J. Brown had. A.J. Brown's going to be is an excellent wide receiver. He's going to have those kind of games every once in a while. Mm-hmm. And, yes, you could bracket. Where's the safety help? There's a lot of questions you can put into that. But Manuel Forbes did get beat on one of those. And then A.J. Brown had all the running time in the world and some good blocks, but also just had some missed tackles and missed opportunities to be able yeah. to tackle him. Jalen Hurts got a few extra yards because Deron Payne had taken a, the, a bad angle. Yeah, These are the things that I expect the defense to clean up and get better about as the season goes on. Absolutely. So that'll be my no-go there for this game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Let's hit those go-go's, Stoner. Could you just maybe leave me one? We'll All see right, I'll leave you one. What you do. Uh, I, I'm going to go... Last week, my no-go, I absolutely torched this guy on national television. YouTube's national, right? Anybody in the entire country? On worldwide television, because you can see YouTube worldwide. I torched Eric Biennemi because he had a horrible game plan. And this week, he fixed all of that. Mm -hmm. He had a fantastic game plan. He was throwing short passes. He was had a little bit more consistency running the ball. That first drive was eight runs, six passes. They they barely had any plays to where Sam was just standing back there in a, on a deep drop waiting for these routes. Eric Bieniemy called a fantastic game this week. He made all the adjustments that we asked for, the short passes, run the ball more, um, uh, move in the pocket, play action. The first play of the game – Sam Howell was under center, which was crazy. We you almost never see that. Eric Bieniemy had a great game plan. He's my go-go. Hey, that's fair. That was an absolute. Uh, uh, that's absolutely right. The game plan was great. Sam Howell was was much improved. Mm-hmm. Terry McLaurin was involved. A lot of us have been asking for that to happen because Terry McLaurin's not yep. been seeing what we thing. thought was going to be an excellent year for him. Jahan Dotson coming all around, but it was Diami Brown here who's going to get my go-go. As we saw something from him that I I really liked, and that was using his speed because he is another one of these faster wide receivers. He's got some top end speed that he can do, and he did some serious great run after the catches. Only was targeted three times, but he took two of those and he got fifty one yards on them. Yeah. And one of those I was a, a I believe what I counted as a forty yard run after catch. Mm where he caught that ball and he just, he had open space and he was able to use that. And then we, we saw there on the final drive where it was a short pass to him, but because he had open space, he moved and he was able to move that ball downfield for Washington. Diamond Brown having an excellent game. Let us know who your go goes and no goes are right here in the comment section of YouTube. Or if you're listening to this on audio, hit us up at ref the district. Let's move on to final thoughts. This is a short week stoner. Yeah. Thursday night football for Washington coming off of back-to-back losses, but going up against a winless Chicago team. Yep. How much does this game here really impact that? Oh, this is a massive, massive game this week. This is a must-win game, Nathan. This is my first must-win game of the year. Well, I thought, actually, I thought the first game was a must-win. You can't lose to Arizona at home with all the good vibes going on. Mm-hmm. This is must win. You can't come back home after what you just did to Philadelphia and have that type of performance against Philadelphia. And even though it was a moral victory, because everyone says it was a good performance overall, understand the defense, blah, blah, blah. You can't have all of that 
and then come home and lose to a winless Chicago team with a coach who's about to get fired with a quarterback who's about to get benched, although he had a fantastic game, but still they were about to bench him before the Denver game. You can't lose this game, Nathan. This is one you looked at from the beginning of the season. You're looking at right now. This is a winnable game. I think they're already like an eight point favorite in Vegas. You have to win this game. If you don't, then it's, then it's all, you know, all bets are off and you're just like, this team doesn't have it. You can understand losing. You looked at the schedule and you said, if you can go two and two, then you're in good shape. Yeah. And that's exactly what they did. So you can't then take that and lose to uh, Buffalo and Philly back to back, which you expect to do, and then turn around and lose to Chicago at home. Can't happen. Must win game this week. Yeah, it's it's going to be a big game there on Thursday night. Of course, we're going to be streaming it here on our YouTube channel, so you can catch our play by play and commentary there. So the with this Philadelphia game, I do want to see them take those good vibes that came from the things that they did right, and I want to see them correct that. I want this also to be the first game the defense has that is lights out. Yeah. Don't let Justin Fields bounce back. Don't let him have a game like he did this past weekend where he threw for four touchdowns. You just don't want Chicago to be in this. You want this to be a game where you put it away. What we expected to happen against Arizona needs to happen against Chicago. And to do that, you need, again, take, take the stinging defeat because it sucks to lose, especially against Philadelphia, Mm-hmm. And, but take those good things that happened with this game because there were a lot. The play calling was great. Sam bounced back. Offensive line and, and him still have some things to work about when it comes to still taking too many sacks. You don't want to average five sacks a game, but you know there's still some really good things in there. You got Diami Brown who's emerging. Curtis Samuels having an excellent year. Terry McLaurin is Terry McLaurin. So the offense is really starting to get rolling. The ground game continues to be strong. The defense, I believe, will get there. We had another Chase Young sighting. That could have been a go-go because Chase Young was doing a fantastic job on the line and showing us why he was a second overall pick just a few years ago. So Washington taking those good vibes. Going to be at home against Chicago on Thursday night football. Make sure you check us out. We are going to have a Bears preview Wednesday afternoon we'll be live wednesday night we'll of course bring you your daily commanders update thursday's the game friday's your next day after reckoning so be sure to check that out but until next time moral victories are a real thing man be a fan here we go